welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls. Pot smokers from around the globe. Potheads. People just generally interested. Anybody interested in marijuana? Haven't even tried it, but you just want to know what's going on. Exactly. Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. We are a unbiased podcast from Boulder, Colorado. We are here today with myself, Casey Jones, Strawberry Sequoia. This episode is going to be the South by Southwest recap. We were just down in Austin, Texas for a week. Strawberry Sequoia, what did we see besides the freaks, the geeks, and the craziness? Goodness me. What happened? So if you don't know what South by Southwest is, you're living under a rock, but um, if you don't know what it is, it's one of the largest conferences slash basically music festivals in the country. Brings together musicians, politicians, yep. people from all walks of life. There's technology, there's gaming, and they also, this year was the inaugural Canna Business Track. First time ever. Yeah. We were there for it. Um, they had done a couple sort of general talks before that were related to cannabis, but this is the first time they decided to do an actual cannabis track. Yeah. Um, so super interesting. They had a whole bunch of different sessions. We hit a little bit of everything. I, the name is almost a little misleading because yeah. it's not go and learn how to be an entrepreneur in the cannabis business. Um, there are some things related to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it was a, it was across the board. There was everything from, you know, you did like a cannabis and wellness um, talk. I went to one about blockchain and cannabis. There mm-hmm. were um, women in cannabis meetups. There were events that we went to. Normal Texas was there. There was the political side. There was the activism side. We actually went to a very interesting talk um, about healing the war on drugs. That was one of the most important things we saw. So it was across the board. If you were going there for to like learn how to get into the cannabis industry, you were probably blindsided by a million other things, I would say, which are, are yeah. good to learn and all that information is helpful. Well, yeah. and there were just a lot of options. I mean, you could get pretty spiritual with it if you wanted to as well. Yeah. Um, I'd say it was a little tricky to pick. So we're just two people, obviously. And they oftentimes had conferences uh, about like four or five at the same time. So we had to pick and choose what we thought was right. So we didn't get to cover every single thing, but we're going to share with you now what we did get to cover. Absolutely. So should we talk about all the different tracks we covered or just dive right in? I would just dive right in. Um, You know, I think what what was important, one of the interesting things was um the the speakers that were there um you know a lot of ceos like the ceo of canopy growth which is one of the largest canadian grow ops um he was very interesting to hear from uh bruce uh as well we did a podcast while we were there with julia jacobson ceo of astro farm small grow op mm-hmm. in california um, we talked to marketers hannah davis she works with heavy hitters and a company called mammoth distribution and there were also, again, you know, uh, Taylor Pendergrass spoke at the War on Drugs talk. Uh, he's from the ACLU. 
Uh, Nancy, who actually is from Boulder, works for Wana Brands. Nancy um, Whiteman. A lot of representation from California out there. Kind of a sexy lineup. I mean, yeah. there were there were some celebs. Let me tell you, Ricky Williams is that mm-hmm. his name? Ricky Williams. Yeah. Um, sort of famous for getting kicked out of the NFL for smoking a bunch of weed. Yep. And now um, he's a now he's a cannabis um, activist. And he's actually working. This actually just came out the other day. The NFL Players Association is looking at lifting the ban on cannabis, largely in part to Ricky Williams' um, activism. Yeah, so really cool so, lineup of people that were there speaking. Um, just to dive right on in, the mm-hmm. very first talk that I went to was Sue Sisley. She is a cannabis research scientist and a physician. Just a walking brain in the world of cannabis, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean... One of the things that really struck me in her talks was just how passionate she mm-hmm. really was. And so what she's up to, she was fired from the University of Arizona for wanting to study cannabis. And it's oh, funny. On her. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Well, it she's was now my girl even more so. Great for her because, you know, it's like the silver lining. Well, mm-hmm. she got fired for wanting to study cannabis. The media went wild. She was oh, all sure. Over the news, you know, CNN, all the big names, she was getting support from across the board. So it actually turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to her. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but super interesting story because Sue never used weed in her life. She got diagnosed with breast cancer later in life and as a scientist just said, well, you know, I'm going to refuse chemo and I'm going to test out weed on myself. Mm. because that's what any good scientist would do. And so she did. She realized with it, by, with looking at the breast tissue, I'm grabbing my boob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we now have video of that too. <laughs> but um, so in looking at the breast tissue, the cancer cells were drastically reduced. She did studies also in mice or rats, I think mice though. Probably. Where, and I think the right word, I have it written here, is mystasis. Mystasis. I'm probably butchering that, but that's um, what was re- reduced. The breast cancer cells were also reduced in mice. So this, you know, sort of started her out on like, okay, this is interesting. This is something worth studying. Um, but she got kicked out of the Arizona University. So she hooked up with her friends at Scottsdale Institute, which is a private institution where they can actually oh, study. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, um, really cool, except that in order to legally study weed in the U.S., you have to jump through a million loopholes. So it it took her... It sounds like, and pardon my friends, it just sounds like the FDA and NIDA is an absolute shit show when it comes to being able to actually study weed right now. It's a shit show. Long story short, it took her about seven years to even get her Schedule 1 license from the DEA to study cannabis. Wow. And then they're like all stoked. They order six kilos of weed and it comes in. It's a bag of powder, of cannabis powder Oof. that had been frozen for years and was moldy oh. and riddled with sticks and stems. And they, like, sort of process it down to the point where there is THC and there is CBD. Mm-hmm. That's it. No other cannabinoids, no terpenes, certainly no terpenes. Um, so, so nothing sort of that you would get studying regular flower. 
And the moral of of that story is a like it it's clearly distorting research. Sue's trying to do research on PTSD. I put a whole mm-hmm. blog up on marriageandexperience.com, so check that out for more details. But basically, NIDA has a monopoly. They're the only legal growers in the U.S. for the government. Oh, okay. And they're the ones giving this shit weed for researchers. It's not up to standards. The THC mm-hmm. content isn't even what they say is it, it yeah, is. Yeah, isn't it like 4% or something? It's where people supposed are to be. Right now, like 25, 35% THC and stuff. Yeah, and it's in, improperly labeled. So Sue's team had third party testing and they said it was like 16% and it was nine or, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. So NIDA has this monopoly and basically no good research, no prescription medicine related to cannabis can be created. In the U.S.? In the U.S. until we do something about NIDA. And that's unlike Canada, right? Because there are grow-ops in Canada that are specifically medical grow-ops, right? Be it it either medical for patient use or medical for research. Yeah, so Sue can actually outsource to Canada, I believe. Oh, she can. That's good to know. Um, which is good, but you know we should be doing it here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we what we want to put ourselves behind the rest of the world. Well, that that's and, and this is kind of one of those underlying things that that I'll we'll we'll touch back on later in one of the talks. But we it seems like we have the problem in the states where the uh, the Fed's not actively getting in the way; they just won't get out of the way, and. Because it's so yeah. new that they're not willing to just like deschedule it overnight so that we can get scientific research when we're in states like you True. know Colorado and California and and that actually are are you finished? I don't want to. You got anything else else on that more? Because that's actually a great parlay into the oh the yeah I, I went to. I'm just gonna say it's irksome and, and the cannabis is although it's up there with the schedule one narcotics like heroin, Mm. cocaine, and LSD, heroin, cocaine, and LSD are actually easier to study. You only have to go through like the DEA, NIDA, and and one other. Mm -hmm. For cannabis, you have to go through four. They add, or five, they add two extra organizations you have to go through that are way more difficult. Jesus. So yeah, it's really fucked up. And I just want people to know that if you are interested in seeing cannabis research, Find our blog. We'll get you in touch with Sue yeah. and, you know, make some changes. And so. call your congressman and Definitely. Women. You know, get it active. <laughs> this needs, it just needs to be changed on a federal level, mm-hmm. at least for science. Like, I think, I think we could all get behind the idea that, like, yeah, we should be able to provide the same cannabis that is bought and sold on the streets should be studied so that yeah. we have a better understanding. Because right now, the yellow journalism... Just for medicine. William Randolph Hearst is still persisting as quote unquote the facts about marijuana, mm-hmm. which it doesn't make you know us rape lily white women. We know that. Like, we just need to let it go. And again, that comes back to the Fed isn't actively yeah. putting themselves in the way. They just won't get the hell out of the way. They are researching. There so, are studies going on um, in the U.S. all about the negative effects. Yeah, there's almost. No studies about the efficacy of marijuana to treat disease. Yeah. To potentially be a good thing. Again, we just need to shift our mindset and hopefully it will happen. Yeah. So that was Sue's talk, Cannabis and Research, Cannabis Research Shackled by Politics since 1968. 
really interesting. Learn more on our blog. MaryJaneExperience.com. Casey Jones, tell us about what you So at the same time and kind of interestingly... Uh, some similar information. I went to the Global Cannabis Industry Expansion. Can U.S. entrepreneurs ride the wave? Um, a extremely interesting talk. Again, uh, the panelists that were on that talk ranged again from like the CEO of Canopy to um, there was a research scientist on that uh, panel as well uh, to a dispensary owner. Um, it it was eye opening. Because um, a lot of so first and foremost, let's let's get kind of the technical stuff out of the way. The reason why I thought, you know, the FDA NIDA conversation transferred well to this conversation was um, one of the take-home messages and one of the best quotes I heard was, "You in the U.S. legal states are operating like islands." What that means is that Colorado's regulating regulating it differently from California, differently from Washington, differently from Oklahoma, medically legal, okay, where you at? Um, as well as Utah, New York, you know, New Jersey, all these places that are are decriminalizing or varying degrees of quote unquote legalization, those markets are operating as islands, whereas Canada is operating as a country. And then globally, you know, there are um, target markets like Poland, Malaysia, New Zealand, the UK, le- uh, medically legal, those are going to be indicator markets. And we have the same kind of indicator markets in the US in terms of like Oklahoma, Utah, um, New York. Um, so there are indicator markets and then there are industry leading markets. So Canada is going to be an industry leading market just like Colorado and California are industry leading markets, but we really need to look to the indicator markets to see what's gonna happen. Um, so that was kind of the, the major take home in terms of like informationally how you can track the industry. The biggest thing though, you know, based of the talk was can US entrepreneurs ride the wave right now? No, because of those facts, because everybody's regulated so differently. Like the US will not be able to export product until it becomes federally legal. And we're behind the ball on that. Interesting. So what the U.S. will be able to export is IP, intellectual property. So the the real winners of the U.S. entrepreneur wave in the cannabis industry are going to be the people that can get to the trademark and patent office first. Hmm. Again, all because of, you know, this, this stranglehold that the FDA and NIDA has on our ability to even test and, and, you know, come up with innovation in this space, which Canada, Canada is blowing us away right now because they a have public money, private money, investment, big money, um, with like the privateer holdings, yeah. the, the Tilray's of the world. Um, we, we in the U S just don't have that in Colorado. We can't even have public investment in our companies, California, you can Washington, you can't things like that. So right now the U S entrepreneur is, is being hosed. <laughs> by our federal government. Again, it's you know it takes time to shift people's understanding and mindset when you're not even allowed to provide provide them with real information. Um, but the global industry is is incredibly interesting again because there are places like Poland and Malaysia is actually a southeastern country. It's going to be one of the first decriminalized, um, predominantly um, Muslim region countries. 
Um, a lot of Southeast Asia is, is very heavily and predominantly Muslim, so it'll be super interesting to see what happens there. Um, the UK is now medically legal. They're kind of like akin to New York. As soon as New York falls legally, I think, you know, that's a tipping stone for the whole world, um, as well as the UK as soon as they get legal. So it, incredibly interesting. Um, the global geopolitical and geoeconomic stance on cannabis is incredibly interesting. We could do an entire podcast on it. Yeah. Now that I've bored you all to hell <laughs> with things that I find extremely interesting, having studied macroeconomics, um, move on to a more interesting and fun one, <laughs> which was uh, cannabis brands and investment. Um, which also sounds boring to me because <laughs> the whole business side is not really my shebang. But I will say that we, while we were in Austin, we did a podcast interview with Julia of Aster Farms, who yep. was a panelist. We also did a podcast episode with Hannah Davis, who is the CMO of Heavy Hitters and Mammoth Distribution. Mm -hmm. and Both were on that panel with uh, a guy named Rusty from Old Pal. Mm -hmm. So they were both really interesting individually. I did not mm -hmm. go to the investment one, but we recorded individual podcasts with them and yeah, those will be coming out after this. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for those because yep. they're really cool. Actually, that, I'm wrong about that. We recorded individual podcasts with each of them. The one with Julia has already, already been out. published mm -hmm. and then the one with Hannah will be coming out in a couple weeks. Yep. Um, so, so this panel, cannabis brands and investment was, um, all California brands. <laughs> so again, going back to that, you know, the States are operating like islands. This is really just kind of a conversation about California as an island and how people can invest. Um, kind of along those same lines, you know, it's, it's difficult in terms of it in, in branding. Um, all of these brands are looking to go, you know, if not nationally and globally, um, the influx of Canadian investment money, they're all for, again, these people need to get to the trademark and patent office in order to get their IP locked up. Um, so when that big Canadian company comes down to buy them up, they're going to be the ones that could actually sell it to them. Uh, all of this investment in cannabis brands is for sure long-term. Um, you know, they the news loves the uh the overnight billionaire story and there are some out there but in the u.s that's just not the, the going to be the case as of right now until you know a lot of things change legally um so you know brands are looking at the amazon approach they're looking at consumer data uh they're looking at gathering that consumer data building up their ip um for their exit strategies and then building up their brand recognition. One of the very interesting parts about cannabis, one of the most fundamental parts that's going to drive brands and investments is consumer. This is going to be one of the con largest consumer-driven industries in the entire world because everybody's experience with cannabis is unique. And those unique experiences are what's going to drive brand affiliation and brand demand. Um, so yeah. th this is this is going to be one of the most interesting things to watch. I think everybody should be stoked to be in the time that they're in to watch this happen because this is going to be a crazy story as it unfolds, no matter what. So. Yeah, I'm so curious to see what the history books are going to write yeah. about, you know, the end of prohibition yeah. and everything that, that's <clears throat> going down. Very and there is always cool. history with a big H and history with a little H, and we're going to tell all of that. Exactly. So. 
Maybe by then we'll uh, have a following. No. Yeah. <laughs> we have a following now. I'm just kidding. All 1,500 of you that come out and check the website. It's anyway. true. Um, thank you so much for that, by the way. Our following has been growing drastically every day, so we're really yeah. excited about cool. that. Um, so while I was doing that, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I felt it my duty to go to the Females in Cannabis meetup. Underlying theme that we talk about here at the Mary Jane Experience all the time for it. Woo, woo. It's true. It's um, very apparent. I was just realizing today, if you look at our Instagram account, it's 90% pictures of women and women-centric images. The um, future is female. Exactly. So, well, and it was really interesting. So this meetup was put on mm. by a, I, I don't really know if you call them a brand. It's, you know, a, a girl that started an Instagram, I think, or a business <laughs> called Cannabis Feminist. And so she submitted this idea and it was very well received. There were, I mean, there had to be at least 30, 40 people that came and I got to say there were a few males, so at least three, so good for you guys that came, because nice. <laughs> I'm sure that's intimidating, a room of like 50 chicks. Mm. So basically, you know, we got came together, we sat in a giant circle, and everybody shared their stories of what they're doing in the industry, which was great to see how diverse and how passionate all these women were about cannabis. There was everything from me, I have a podcast to brands trying to start CBD companies, to there was a woman who I definitely want to get on the podcast from Oklahoma who's just purely trying to help educate people in Oklahoma where it's so religious, they're having a lot of trouble getting good information. Mm. There was a Canadian businesswoman who's got a $200 million cannabis company. Wow. Yeah. There, we um, Good cross-section there. Yeah, we had Leah Marr. So we had a couple of the people that we've interviewed on our podcast. Leah Marr there. We had uh, the CEO of Elementa, Lisa Sherman, as well as Jillian Tuckman. And it was really touching and it was inspiring. And so I've actually started on meetup.com, a Boulder Women in Cannabis meetup. So if you are in the Colorado area, look up Women in Cannabis meetup in Boulder. It's put on by me, Emily Shit, I'm not supposed to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. Um, so if you're in the area, in the Colorado area, look up Women in Cannabis Meetup Colorado. Hosted by your very own Strawberry Sequoia. Exactly. We'd love to have you here um, just to talk about women in cannabis, to empower other women you know, we really got to be the ones lifting each other up in this industry. If it is going to be not necessarily female dominated, I'm not that optimistic that it's going to be dominated, <laughs> but hopefully but at least, at least equal. Fair. And and you will all hear this. Hannah had a very good point. Hannah from uh, Heavy Hitters in Mammoth, um, you know, she, she did say, you know, I'm not looking for it to be female dominated. I just want it to be 50-50. Equal. So, Equal. There's nothing wrong with equal. Equal is fine. Equality. So, um, and I think another issue there is race and religion and background. You know, it. this is one of those unique industries where people are a lot more accepting. And I think we're going to see a bigger 
contrast in in leaders in this particular industry. Yeah, absolutely. So, so thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to more nerdy stuff from yours truly. Uh, I attended a talk called Blockchain and Cannabis. The name of the, the gentleman that spoke, um, or the two gentlemen that spoke at it, um, I can't remember. Um, there was a woman moderator. She actually is like an ex-banker, supply chain nerd. Um, <clears throat> it was, again, super technical, super dry. I loved it. <laughs> Um, but basically, so for those who don't know what blockchain is, and I'm going to butcher this slightly, I apologize. It's effectively a way of storing transactional data in a decentralized network with different nodes all over the place so that those actions are held in a ledger that can never be rewritten. Um, this is blockchain is synonymous with like Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and things like that. Um, <clears throat> the, this has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. Blockchain is going to help solve the supply chain issues in cannabis. We've seen it in every legal state thus far. California has got a big problem with it. Canada even more so. Blockchain is going to hopefully be the th- form of technology that helps solve this because what it allows for is things like the track and trace program in California. Um, when you book a transaction or you you make a ledger note on a blockchain system it's there forever that's going to allow the fed to go back and see all the transactional history for everything from seed to plant to sale um also the cool part though because cannabis is brand new they don't have any existing infrastructure so they're adopting the newest and best technologies unlike other industries that can't adopt it as quickly so yeah changing over yeah, their whole system exactly yeah like so redo- redoing a technical infrastructure yeah. is like a billion dollar endeavor right so cannabis might actually be the industry that allows blockchain to get its real world testing that it needs in order for it to be globally adopted very interesting so going back to investments and brands if you know of a blockchain company that is targeting the cannabis industry, go ahead and invest in that right now. <laughs> also, I am not Good a financial advisor, so if you lose your shirt on that one, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's it's extremely interesting because blockchain, you know, as a technology is is hugely robust and in moving away from the cryptocurrency side of the world, it is a great thing for the supply chain and the cannabis industry. So hopefully a lot of those problems we saw in 2019 and 2018 will be alleviated as we move forward. And that was kind of what the this talk centered around. So again, dry, technical, crazy interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Let <laughs> us know if, so we're doing ultra brief because there's just so much information. Yeah. But if this, any this of is this- is the Reader's Digest version of South by Southwest. Definitely. Which is, basically means it's like Cliff Notes light. Yeah. But if there's anything that you're just like, I got to I gotta know, I need more, <laughs> let us know because yeah. we can dive deeper. We can take each one of these panels and do an hour-long podcast. Oh, my gosh. You. Yeah. There's um, so much information. This one alone, we might need to split up into a part A, part B. Yeah. 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 See how that goes. Anyway, moving along. I was at blockchain and cannabis. You were at cannabis and wellness. Yes. The differences in our personality <laughs> types are becoming very clear. Just with through this. The, 
South by Southwest cannabis events we chose. So I went to Cannabis and Wellness, which was put on by four lovely panelists. Jess Dugan of The Oil Plant. She is a ganja yoga instructor. Ricky Williams, who I talked about before, the ex-football player. Played for the Miami Dolphins. He was in a star running back <laughs> before he started using marijuana. Actually, he was using marijuana the entire time before he got busted for marijuana. I love this guy. I want him on the podcast so bad. Ricky, call me, please. We'll, we'll <laughs> do our best to get him, but he is... He might be tricky. So he was there with his wife, who was also on the panel. They both own Real Wellness, as well as Dr. Michelle Ross. She wrote a book called Vitamin Weed. She's a neuroscientist and super cool. The panel was right up my alley in that (laughs) it got spiritual right off the bat. Jess invited us to start with a breathing exercise. So the whole room got zenned out. before they even started talking. And then, you know, this big black football player, (laughs) Ricky, explained cannabis as a catalyst of asking deeper questions in his life that did eventually lead him beyond football. He stated that he truly believes cannabis is a spiritual medicine, which all the panel members agree to, to a certain extent that it sort of takes you beyond yourself. Um, but at bringing it back to sort of health and wellness, all the panelists also agree that stress and deep suppressed trauma are the root of all health issues. It all comes back to that. Mm-hmm. And they all believed that cannabis can be mind healing and thus body healing. And none of them want to take the high out of cannabis. You know, there's all this CBD, which I think is great. And I don't think that you always should be like just like high your whole life so that you're not stressed out. That's that's not the point. But the idea of, of healing happening in an altered state mm-hmm. and being able to step away from your cell phone world and this this world we put ourselves in into a little bit of an altered state where you can find your true self and um, and so and then, and then taking it a little more scientific, that's what Dr. Michelle Ross was really good at when things got really deep and spiritual. Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember Ricky was just like, this is stuff I only talk about in bed with my wife. And I'm out here in front of all of you talking in about Texas, nonetheless, <laughs> in Texas. But so your actual endocannabinoid system, which we all have, and it regulates a lot of your body is badly hurt by stress. The it, it leads to what is called endocannabinoid deficiency. Mm. And so cannabis literally kind of is a vitamin for your system. Yeah. The, this is, sorry, real quick, I hate yeah, to interrupt. But it. one of the uh, interesting things that came out of South by Southwest was people referring to cannabis not necessarily, because it's got its medicinal side, but it's, it's the only medicine that is also a recreational use product. So a lot of people are just starting to refer to it as a supplement or a vitamin, which I think is great, right? Because, you know, they're in terms of like preventative and holistic wellness, supplements, vitamins, all of those things are touted. And I think cannabis is is the next, you know, kind of use in that, or or the biggest use is going to be in preventative health, Um, which, you know, all comes back to that wellness and using it as a vitamin. So 
Anyway, I just had to interject that. I thought that was awesome. Absolutely. So I'm going to start referring to it as my supplements and vitamins from here on out. My vitamin weed. <laughs> Love that book name of, of Dr. Michelle's. It's it's just fascinating. And, and of course, and every panel has also mentioned this same thing. Anyone that, that did refer to it as, as a health supplement has also said that like anything, it can be abused. Um, yeah, true. So... You know, you want to, I actually love microdosing to the point where I don't even get that high. Yeah. The one to two milligram club. Yeah. I, I have a review on these. Some <clears throat> microdoses, if you're interested, you should check that out because it's one of my favorite products right now for microdosing, mm -hmm. but not the point. Um, another, another sort of science-ish part about cannabis is that it helps your body make oxytocin, mm. which is the hormone that is released to help a mother bond with her child. It's the hormone that's released when you orgasm so that you bond with your mate. And um, I, one thing that was, that was sort of brought up in that is cannabis helps you connect with people mm. and essentially may help end what some people believe we have is a loneliness ep epidemic. Yeah. People don't talk about that. You know, everybody's mm -hmm. so focused on their phones and their dopamine loops that, yeah. you know, once you put your phone down, you realize you're alone. You know, that can be as crushing as any depression. So. Yeah. So the take home here was that cannabis can be used as a vitamin, a supplement, mm -hmm. a, a wellness product, but you need to use it responsibly and almost ritualistically. So say, you know, every day I'm going to spend an hour, I'm going to, you know, use a little cannabis and do yoga for an hour. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just, um, it was a really lovely talk and it was a really interesting perspective. I think, you know, I just keep coming back to the, the football player perspective because Ricky mm -hmm. would just like looked like an angel up there. Yeah. He's talking about the spirituality of weed and, and, I, I and really for those that. of you who aren't familiar, there's a great documentary. It's called Run, Ricky, Run from the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. Go check that out and you will understand why Ricky Williams kind of is an angel in the cannabis industry because he's been vilified, demonized by the sports world. And now the cannabis industry is here to lift him up and yeah. hopefully I wish him the best. Cause I didn't awesome even guy. know he was a football player. <laughs> like I, I'm listening to this whole talk thinking, wow, this guy is so lovely. He's got, he's just bringing up all these wonderful points and mm -hmm. I'm really, it's really resonating with me. And after I told Casey Jones, about my talk, he was like, yeah, Ricky Williams, duh, so famous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did not know that, but okay. Again, we lead, we lead same, similar lives, but different lives yeah, at the same time. Which is what makes it super fun. <clears throat> but let's not spend too much time on that. Let's yes. move into Actually, one of a good segue is Ricky Williams into the, to the next thing that we talked about because he was vilified and demonized by the sports world you know everybody was calling him an idiot he owed like half of his contract back tens of millions of dollars that everybody's like oh you're gonna leave for stupid weed oh you fucking stoner like god you're a fucking idiot now he's going to become a billionaire in the cannabis industry i hope and and all those people are going to be eating their words we went to easily the most powerful public forum discussion i've been to in a long time if not of all time it was called the war on drugs. How do we start to heal? 
Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this now. The war on drugs, A, is not over, so we can't start healing it. Yeah. B, the people that spoke on the panel were on, coming from, there were protests involving, um, I forget who the Texas politician was who was staunchly against weed. Now he's on a panel for a, a you know, weed company. It, it was a very heavy and triggered room, rightfully so. These people have every reason to be not only pissed off, but militant and angry. I mean, I, mean, um, I would say that everybody <laughs> should be pissed off. Yeah, everybody should. This is, this, we, we decided after this talk actually that we are going to focus heavily on um, partaking in activism to change this. Basically the bottom line is this, um, if you were arrested for nonviolent cannabis related crimes, um, you, in the past, you can't get your license in California to become a reseller that's created the black market right now. Um, we heard from multiple people, um, what people are calling quote unquote, the black market is what's known in California as black owned because we all know the war on drugs was a systematic racist program to lock up black and brown people, um, for minor drug use. Uh, thanks Nancy Reagan. And Unfortunately, those wounds and those scars are not healed and they won't be healed until federal decriminalization and federal expungement of records. This is, this is the most important thing that we will be advocating for is expungement of records because this creates just a huge ripple effect in people's lives, being able to restart, start businesses, become active and proactive in their communities because they have a, they have a record, they have a rap sheet for a non-violent crime involving a legal substance. Sorry, I'm, I'm even getting like choked up now because it, it pisses me off. So we heard stories, things like, you know, in DC, A, you have to give up your second amendment right to get um, a medical license. Um, even then, you know, people are getting busted because what they'll do is they'll go into your house, they'll kick your door in, they'll weigh what you're growing, they won't weigh the plant itself, the way the plant, the soil and the pot that it's in. And if it's over the quote unquote legal amount of weed that you're allowed to have, they'll lock you up and they'll give you 10 years and then you have a rap sheet and then you're fucked. And that's still <laughs> happening and, and it, in it's happening legalized today. states. And, and it's, it's bullshit. It's oh, bullshit. <laughs> and it's heavily on the black and brown people's yep. Side. And I was even thinking about it today when we were prepping to do this episode. Like, think about that. In D.C., they're going to take away your right to have a gun. They're going to know you have a license. So they, they're going to know they can enter your door, not worried about getting shot, kick your door in, weigh your plant, put you in jail. And they know, they know who these people are. It, it is systematic. If you think that this isn't happening with good reason and with racist undertones, you're A-blind and you're ignorant. So... I'm going to say this before we talk further about lily white rich women doing, um, you know, cannabis driven yoga. We are going to talk about the black and brown people that are locked up for nonviolent cannabis related crimes in legal states. And we're going to work to get them out. Um, we met uh, one of the speakers. Her name is Tori. We're going to have her on the podcast um, as well as I got him so bad with names. I can't even remember. <laughs> Um, there was an activist from California there as well. Um, and then another activist from, um, Texas, which, you know, they're working on very hard to get legal. And I think it will, 
because at the end of the day, politicians follow the money and there's enough money to get it legalized. We just have to make sure that well, as that process happens, the people with nonviolent cannabis related um, records, those records are expunged and they're allowed to reenter society mm -hmm. because they are not a threat and they are allowed to partake in this industry while it's growing and while it's happening. And if we ever get large enough, we can start hiring people. I'm going to hire every single person with a felony revolving around cannabis and I'm going to give them a job. Yeah, um, I would say if you are out there, you enjoy cannabis, you like your fun little cannabis topicals and oils, maybe you're a dispenser owner and you literally sell weed to people. Yeah. You're no less, they're no more of criminals than you are. We all need to be a part of this issue. One of the things that really rang true to me that one of the panelists said was it's not a black person's issue. Black people shouldn't have to do this fight. White people well, should should be fighting for this. Yeah, you know, I know it's not your fucking cousin that's in there, or maybe it is because it's not just black people. Of course, it's, it's and and then, and again, it, it and we don't want to you know push that agenda. It is it is underprivileged populations yes. of people that are routinely and continuously put into the legal injustice system. I mean, on an astounding amount in comparison to those that are well off and and we need to recognize and realize that there are people out there that are suffering still from the war on drugs and we need to do something about it and to to that same point one of um i think his name is wayne um you know he said that you know the fight for women's rights rights is not a woman's fight it's a man's fight for us to give up a little bit to include you guys you know the fight for low and impoverished communities who have been downtrodden by things like the war on drug it's not their fight to to write that ship it's our fight you know the well-off and the privileged people which we are um i'm going to admit strawberry score and i are very well off if you can have a podcast so in your spare time you're doing fine yeah so anyway <laughs> before we go too far down that road we're going to do an entire podcast an entire series an entire um charitable merch sale we've come up with a, a yeah, bunch of ideas we're gonna we're gonna make this happen that is our new reason for existence yeah i would one say of, one of them be well, i mean on top of informing and, and decriminalizing and normalizing and etc anyway i'm rambling picking it back up okay so we have After two that. more <laughs> panels that we sat in on that we not panels that we sat on we have yeah, we didn't sit on the panels. Two talks that we attended. Talks that we attended. <laughs> two more talks that we attended here. So one, the first one is non-obvious trends in cannabis. This is by Nancy Whiteman of Wana Brands, one of Colorado's biggest edible brands. The gummy queen of Colorado, as she's well known around the these parts. The gummy queen. <laughs> and this was all about product and consumer usage predictions. So Nancy sort of started off with wellness, as we all know. I just went to a panel on wellness. Um, wellness being the primary driver of usage. Getting high is not a top priority for people anymore. No, it's not. And, and Nancy's actually the one that we, we kind of got the, uh, you know, the, the sense that the Colorado consumer is moving away from the THC mm -hmm. arms race and more to unexperienced you know, an experiential based, um, product that doesn't necessarily just get you stoned to the bone. Yeah. So people are getting a lot more specific, you know, if they have joint pain, they're going to, to topicals. Yeah. If they have stress, they're going to micro doses. 
But it's not, you know, necessarily this dab culture of let me get as high as I possibly can. You know, and that still very much is there. But the trend is going towards wellness. And I think, it, you know, that's another thing that comes up with all the CBD people. Yep. All the CBD products, which Nancy touched on. And as we all know, it's it's insane out there in CBD. <laughs> CBD land. You go from really, truly good product to absolute snake oil. Right. And one of the things that Nancy predicts is that the CBD world is going to become a lot more regulated. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of those products that are just kind of out there pushing whatever that aren't, aren't really getting tested and could not have anything they say is in there, yeah. they're going to start to disappear. Mm-hmm. And there's S- going to be... Still illegal to, according to the FDA. The Food and Drug Administration has not necessarily, quote, legalized CBD. Um, so a lot of those, um, you know, CBD companies that make huge and wild claims like this is going to cure everything. Expect to see those companies pretty much gone is, is yeah. effectively what. The There'll be a few leaders that come out into. on top. Yeah. Um, that's if a huge. Those that are making good quality product are going to survive. Yeah. And that's a whole nother podcast as Again. well. <laughs> Just CBD alone. And we are going to be doing some podcasts with some CBD companies and learning a little bit more about that. But um, moving on with Nancy's predictions, product options are going to become more nuanced. People are learning more about terpenes and cannabinoids and wanting specific results out of their products, which is sort of leading to this rise in the idea of constructed cannabis. Mm-hmm. So the plant genetics with construction, constructed entourage effects, which if you don't know what that is, it's the effect of multiple cannabinoids all working together. Like the CBD might not actually be that effective without CBN and THC. Um, So it just sort of depends on all them together. So they're going to start basically engineering the perfect weed for whatever your issue is, which Mm -hmm. is going to be really interesting. But product innovations like this are going to lead to confusion (laughs) and consumers needing a lot more education you know, from not only your bud tender, but sources like podcasts, magazines, the the brands are going to have to be really conscious about how they educate consumers. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the, um, going back to the entrepreneurs, can the U.S. uh, entrepreneurs ride the way of the ancillary companies are are poised to grow globally so much easier. Um, Things like information bases, you know, the Leafly's, the Cannabis Now's, the High Times, things like that. So, but also people getting good information, which comes back to Susie's talk about, you know, the FDA and NIDA. So all these things are kind of working together while they're not working and we're figuring it out. So super interesting talk from Nancy. Yeah. Kind of tied it all together. It was actually a good talk to go to the last day that we were there. Definitely. Yeah. And then finally, the last talk that we both went to together was Cannabis and the Aging Brain. This was put on by Dr. Fabrizio Pamplona. He is a cannabinoid pharmacologist studying in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Whoa, this one was heavy science forward. My multiple PhD father would have loved this. Yes, very <laughs> much so. However, for us, we were kind of sitting there a little cross-eyed half the time. We are. We've talked to him already, and we're going to sit down and really 
dive deeper into this. Mm-hmm. But essentially, Fabrizio studies the endocannabinoid system, and he is looking into essentially Alzheimer's and dementia, but he, he's studying the elder population of, of cannabis use is, is increasing more yeah. than any other demographic, which is something Nancy mentioned as well. Absolutely, and something we notice in our um, analytics, our third largest uh, viewership group is uh, 55 to 65-year-old women. Yeah. Which is actually common throughout the industry, which is interesting. And that plays right into the wellness. They're not yeah. necessarily just trying to get high as fuck. They are like, okay, I have chronic pain. <laughs> I have this issue. I, you know, it's fine if you, if you want to use it to get high. It's recreationally yeah, legal here. But more and more people are using it for, for wellness reasons. And Fabrizio is saying, you know, let's look at healthy aging. Yeah. How can we age the brain in a healthy way? Can cannabis help? Is it legit? And basically what he's saying is, A, we don't know everything yet. Mm-hmm. But B, what are the side effects? If if it is maybe not the wonder drug or whatever, oh, a little dizziness, the munchies. Yeah. And this comes back tiredness. to our, our, our talk with Skip. Like the lethal yeah. dosage for cannabis is so high that you know that it's not even possible it's not gonna practically. Kill you. Right. When you see like ad commercials for medicine yeah. and stuff on TV, it's like side effects may include like explosive diarrhea and also death. Where which is <laughs> insane. Like you're just trying to cure a headache. Whereas cannabis, those side effects which he mentioned and are things like dizziness and, and hunger. Yeah. So it's a know, very so. safe thing to trial. Of course, you know, it, it's difficult in people with really um, intense illnesses, especially children, maybe that have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. They do have epidiolex now, but you know, you don't want to take your your child off of their medication to try something like cannabis. Yeah. That's a really difficult thing to have happen. But the idea here is, as you age, joint and brain inflammation speed up rapidly. The endocannabinoid system declines. You go into endocannabinoid deficiency, and via the studies in rats that they've been doing, it shows that certain blends of cannabinoids can help reduce this inflammation. Yeah. Um, You do need to use it right, and that's Mm -hmm. something that we'll dive a little deeper into in a blog, but using cannabis can reduce the inflammation, thus Helping with a lot of different issues. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically um, ones that Fabricio is looking into, mm-hmm. which are dementia and Alzheimer's. So he ended with a non-clinical trial, but he mm-hmm. did study somebody who had used, had, had dementia essentially, and decided to use a THC oil. And essentially what this guy did was microdose. So he wasn't getting high, and but he was taking a dropper full of THC oil every day. And after studying him, the microdose drastically reduced signs of dementia and Alzheimer's in this patient. So the microdose of THC oil yeah. In this one case, so it's not a clinical trial, uh, worked. Again, this comes back to like not being able to study fully, but signs show. There's also an interesting part of his talk as well that 
THC and CBD, the use of this, this oil that this gentleman was using, um, increased a, I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically like LXN1, which aids in allowing the CB1 and CB2 receptors to fire in your brain which they've found that when those receptors aren't firing, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, memory loss kind of start to trigger. It's in conjunction with inflammation. So it not only helped with reducing the inflammation in the brain, but it also helped with increasing um, the level of this in your brain that helps your brain effectively fire better. So he put up a, a really great uh, visual graph of you know, young mice next to old mice using CBD and THC and effectively the brainwave mapping was very similar. So it's a way to almost de-age your brain. As you get older, you could be 70 with the age brain of a 60 year old. Whereas if you have this, you know, a lack of or a deficiency in this LXN1, you are like 60 with a 70 year old brain. So again, non-clinical, this happened in rats. You had the one Gentlemen that they tested, all signs are looking good. So he's going to continue studying. We're going to talk to him further. So the caveat. Let's talk about the caveat because it's kind yeah. of funny. No, it was this. Was, <laughs> this made the entire room crack up, including ourselves. But but so everybody was saying because he was everybody because this always comes with uh, until you abuse cannabis, the signs are good. So somebody raised their hand and asked, "What?" Do you qualify as, quote, abuse of cannabis? Because we're all in there worried, like, shit, am I abusing <laughs> like, cannabis? Oh, no. Because he said, if you abuse cannabis, then you will age your brain 10% faster. faster. Yeah. 10%, which is a lot. And he said, his answer yeah, was... His, his qualification for abuse of marijuana, the only time that he saw, had seen it in a parent, patient, was 10 joints a day... Over 50 years. For over 50 years. So Let my me to friends, repeat that. <laughs> you, better, you better knock it down to nine if you're doing 10 because you're doing brain damage, okay? I mean, that is a level of marijuana use where you're pretty much just smoking a joint all day, every day. And you're probably aging your brain just because it's like cigarettes and the smoke is probably just mm -hmm. inhibiting your, you know respiratory system you don't have to get time oxygen for anything your brain, else. right? Ugh. You won't have time to like anyway, have a healthy lifestyle. So if you smoke 10 joints a day, just bump it down to three. Bump it down. Bump it down. Um, so, so those were all the talks that we went to. Um, again, each and every one of these talks can be their own podcast. And these are all, um, you know, different parts of the industry that I think we'll go into deeper as we get older and longer into this, uh, the Mary Jane experience that we're producing yeah. here. But yeah, that, that was kind of our wrap up. If you have any questions about any of these talks, by all means, reach out to us. We all took notes and we and we have pictures of everyone's slides and things like that. We can answer the questions more in depth. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. Yeah. Find more in-depth information on each of these particular talks on our blog as Absolutely. those come out. Yeah, we're going to be posting blogs for each talk that we went to as we're able to get the information out there. And that's just maryjaneexperience.com slash blog. Absolutely. But again, questions, concerns, ideas, let us know. We mm -hmm. look at every single person that messages us on any platform and we respond. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to what Nancy was saying in her talk, you know, information and education is what's going to drive 
consumers to make the right choices. And that's what's going to drive this industry to grow in the right direction. So free flow of information, reach out to us. That's what we're here for. Yep. And stay tuned for next week's episode. We interviewed Eugenio Garcia of Cannabis Now, one of the biggest cannabis publications out of California currently. Absolutely. He's got some pretty great insights into the cannabis industry and gave us his one, five, ten year predictions. Mm -hmm. Definitely something to check out. Yeah. So thank you very much for the listen. As always, take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. Use a little joint here and there to relax. Be kind to each other, as our good friend Sam loves to say. Peace out, potheads. Good night, stoners. Thanks a lot. We love you. This has been the Mary Jane Experience Podcast with Casey Jones, Strawberry Sequoia. Take it easy. I can't wait to go back to South by Southwest. That was really fun. I hope they I hope they let us back yeah. after the ruckus we caused. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't that bad. Yeah. But no, very it, interesting conference. Saw some great music. Hopefully next year we can do more there. Hopefully by this time next year this is our day. We job. need three more employees so we yeah. can go to every single talk. Jeez, we're going to an event tonight. We are. It never stops. It never stops. Right, the struggle is real. It's totally fine. Right. Love y'all. Sure. L is for the way you look at me. Oh, it's for the only one I see.